listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexel, what a pass to Anders. A king follows. Branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Pull up three in transition for Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Slama Jamma presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Anas. You can find me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. I spent the past two seasons covering the University of Houston Athletics for the Daily Cougar and yesterday kicked off the third season covering for Apollo Media. And I'm here with my co-host, Dayon. Introduce yourself. What's good? I'm Dayon Dunlap. You can follow me on Twitter at Dayon Dunlap. That's at D-A-Y-O-N-D-U-N-L-A-P. I've been around the Houston program since around 2016. For the last two or three years, I've been doing play-by-play and color commentary for UH Women's Basketball. I'm a cool alum. But also follow me, but also be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account. That's at Apollo H-O-U, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We'll greatly appreciate it. Day on today's episode, we're going to have a little bit of a, what is Sunday, we normally be Monday morning quarterback. I guess we can do it the next day reaction. But yeah, Houston, Texas Tech, they officially kicked off their 2021 season on Saturday at NRG Stadium as a part of the Texas kickoff. And Cougars, man, couldn't couldn't have asked for a better start. Got off to jumped out in front, fourteen nothing. They had a little bit of trickery after. Really, they had a long thirteen play drive that, that took up about more than eight minutes of game time. Then they followed it up with a trick onside kick that they recovered and were able to get the ball and go down and score again. And they were up fourteen nothing with. Like they, they controlled the ball for almost 13 minutes in that first quarter, never really letting the Texas Tech offense get a get a sniff of, of the ball until the latter ends of that quarter. Second quarter was uh, a little bit you know, kind of the same. They didn't wasn't scoring as much, but they were able to build a 21-7 lead into halftime. And then the second half happened, and it was a completely change in script. Dayon got a couple of game reactions, but you know, I want to get your thoughts first. What are your takeaways from that second half collapse and, and the game overall? Well, that second half really was just hard to watch. I mean, really from an offensive perspective. I mean, I, I mean, I'm glad Dana Hogerson, head coach, kind of, I mean, took credit for it. Um, I know we have a quote that we'll get to here in a second. But, I mean, that was really what I thought. It was just hard to watch offensively. And, you know, when you watch college football, well, for me, when I watch college football, I always grade players on their potential to the next level. And so watching Clay Toon, I always like, hey, okay, does he have NFL potential? In my opinion, from seeing him, I don't really see it. And from college programs, normally, if they don't have that NFL talent, it's about the scheme and the players um, that they're playing with. And really, the coach is putting him in a good position to succeed. He has the talent to succeed. 
but I don't know what it is about those turnovers that he, he, he just can't stop making, or is it the coaching staff as well? Not scripting up plays that he's good at, not really putting him in a position to make those boneheaded throws and interceptions. So it's kind of like a twofold thing. Some of it is playing, but some of it is um, the offensive coordinator slash head coach. I mean, Dana Hogerson, he, he's brought here to make our offense what it's typically been as far as a high-powered offense. But from defensive standpoint, I feel like the defense played really well. I know they gave well, – um, points towards the end, but they gave the offense chance after chance to really to add to the lead, and they just played really well. What were your thoughts, though? Because you were actually in the stadium. You got to see um, live reactions from the crowd, players, and stuff like that. So what was it like from your point of view? Yeah, you you pretty much hit all the, the key points down the line. I mean, playing two and finished with four interceptions, obviously that's never going to cut in any game, and and really, he had a couple early in the first half where he might have had ballooned up to six interceptions. He just didn't look sharp at all. And, you know, he had a, a bit of flashes in that first half, found uh, Nathaniel Thell wide open for a touchdown, was able to hit, was able to rush for a touchdown. I actually counted for all three of Houston's scores early in the game. But it, it never seemed like Houston was in a rhythm, especially once they got into that second half. I, honestly, I'm not even sure if they had a play from Texas Tech's side of the field in that second half. And like I said, it's it completely different from what they were able to do that first quarter where they went on two long drives. They kind of stalled a little bit in the second quarter, but had a good finish to the first half where they went on. They soaked up the final five minutes and were able to score another touchdown. But, yeah, you know, you mentioned the clips. I'll go ahead with some postgame comments from Dana Holgerson talking about that second half. He called it one of the worst halves he's ever been a part of. Here's Houston head coach Dana Hogerson. Fought hard, uh, didn't panic when they were down at half, came out, made good adjustments, and, uh, you know, kind of uh, kind of put it to us there in the second half. So I was proud of our guys from effort. Uh, you know, I was proud of our guys from, you know, playing physical. Um, you know, kept our composure. Uh, you know, we just didn't, just didn't get it done. You know, I... Didn't do a very good job in the second half uh, from an offensive perspective. That's one of the worst halves I've ever been a part of. I admit that. I own that. Uh, we'll, we'll work hard on trying to fix that. Um, you know, but I was proud of our guys for the way they played, the way they fought, the way they acted. Um, you know, Texas Tech's, uh, they, 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 they got it done. One of the worst halves he's ever been a part of. Dan, those are some strong comments. When you hear Dana Hogerson say that, and you know, I, I posted that clip on Twitter. I have a lot of UH fans that are commenting with, with frustration, um, really not just from last night, but a culmination of the past two two seasons with Dana Hogerson where it just doesn't seem like Houston has been able to get over the hump. This was a chance for Hogerson to finally have one of those big signature wins in his tenure that really he hasn't been able to have. The two-plus seasons he's been here, Dana uh, – Dana, uh, Dan, what are your thoughts from hearing that clip? Man, I mean, it's good to hear that clip in a sense of a head coach holding himself accountable and not just saying the players, oh, they didn't play well, they didn't do this. I, I like to hear the coaches holding himself accountable first. So getting that out the way, um, I, it was good to hear that. 
But just now, just thinking about it, like Texas Tech won four games the last two years in back-to-back seasons. And for Houston, for that can be considered a good win potentially if we were to beat them. That's kind of talks about where we at right now as, as a program. And it's just, man, offensively, I, I was just shook because of the way they started the game, you you basically hold the ball primarily the entire first quarter, I mean, you script up, you give yourself a 14-point lead. And like you said, Clayton Toon, he was doing all right. That first interception really was alarming for me. I was like, oh, man, it's the same old song here with Toon. <laughs> he yeah. forced it over the middle with two or three defenders. But if you – they showed from the wide-angle view where he had his running back right there in the flat. All he had to do was check it down easily. Could have got a first down the drive would have continued. And at that point, it was still 14 to nothing, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And so, like, just plays like that, I, I just feel like I don't know if Clayton Toon really is the guy that can lead Houston back to where they need to be. It makes me question that. The talent is there, but the inconsistency here, and, and this time he has experience. He has all those things that you would think a quarterback needs to make the next step. He has the same coaching staff, the same offensive Like it, it, it all worked out. The offensive line, I give him um, some slack there. They didn't play as well um, in that second half. I feel like that they get, he could have played. I mean, he still had time to make some plays, but he didn't have a bunch of time to just sit back there and and, and just kind of make it happen. And so, um, our, our running game looked well. Mobile car looked pretty good. I feel like he what he had what, like thirteen carries, and um, what was it forty some yards? I had the stats. And I got it right in front of me. He had what yeah. thirteen carries, forty one yards. I mean, I think that's pretty good. You give him 10 more carries, that's 23 carries, close to 100 yards. I feel like he did well. I feel like we rotated our backs a little too much. We didn't allow mobile car to really get into a rhythm. Um, we brought in Alton McGaskill. He really was really didn't even have an impact on the game. He had a few carries, but I, I like that one-two punch of mobile car and Tajon Henry. Tajon Henry brought that that speed and elusiveness at the backfield. And so uh, maybe we lean more on our run game to not allow Clay Toon to really just throw the ball a high number of times like he did. It wasn't like we were behind. And so when we got that lead, maybe the adjustments, because that's another thing that I was hearing a lot of, that Dana didn't make proper adjustments, in which I'm not going to act like I just know it all or really going to comment more on that. I just feel like maybe there are more adjustments to be made, like maybe running the ball more. I know you're – running shoot offense but sometimes as a coach you just make adjustments based on how the game is going and so just from our receiver standpoint I feel like they played well Nathan Udell he did good I, both of our tight ends look really well Christian 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 Trahan he looked really well out yeah. there but offensively uh, I, I was just shook man but defensively I was the D-line really looked very, very, very impressive out there last night to me they, they really, really had a really good game a coming out party for few of our D linemen and they played really well. Our, our defense really held their hats. I mean, as a, as a team, we had what over about four, four or five sacks. And so there were a lot of QB pressures. Yeah. Um, well, hang on on defense. We'll talk on that in a second. Second, I want to go back to what you mentioned with you're talking on and Dana Homerson and, and clean tune as a whole, you mentioned that first interception, uh, a bit of a, 
uh, you could call it impatience. I don't know if that might be the right word, but you, know, you took a deep shot. He threw it into double coverage at that point. Houston had all the momentum up with a chance to do, put up more points on the board. And that interception was kind of a bit of a turning point in the game. Texas Tech took it and was able to score. Now, for the most part, you mentioned the defense. They were able to hold Tech to only seven points that first half. But really, after that interception, the UH offense never really uh, and they never really looked the same. The first two plays, first two drives of the game where they were able to score, they were long drives. They were, you know, the first one was eight minutes. The second one it was six minutes. Those are long drives that kept Texas Tech off the field in the second half. You know, very uh, a lot of three and outs, a lot of punts. And actually, I have the, the third quarter. Um, it was punt. Interception, punt, interception, punt, punt, interception, and then that's the end of the game. Um, the brutal drives, and literally, I'm looking at all these drives, not a single drive in the second half. The longest was came at, at the very end of the third quarter into the fourth. It lasted five minutes, and even that ended in a punt. Um, outside of that five-minute drive, they did not have the ball for more than around two minutes for much of the second half. Again, a completely change of script for Houston. And like you mentioned, it's kind of, it's weird. Is it something that's being, is it the halftime routine? It's not, they need to change up. And it's, it's not just two last uh, Saturday. It's not just a one-off thing. It's something that's been kind of a theme, Dana Hogerson and the teams that he's had here. They've been able to have good starts. Barring last year, in the beginning of last season, they kind of struggled at that, but you know, they'll, they'll have a good first half. And then the third quarter blues, they always seem to have struggles coming out of halftime where the other team puts up points, UH can't score, and that's usually the difference in the game. Yep, and it was a difference in this game. It looked like a tale of, really a tale of two halves, two different teams. They're excited. And I know last year it was about having good starts. So I, I see why um, they scripted the start that they had and it went in their favor. But it's about being consistent throughout a full fourth quarter. And I know they're in talks with joining the Big 12 in Texas Tech is one yeah. of those teams that are in a bottom tier in the Big 12 as far as football goes. And so you allow them to score 38 um, un, unanswered and beat you the way they did. That, that doesn't really bode well. Really, it really does, it just doesn't look good. Yeah, for sure. We'll leave it on that note. We'll take a segue. Coming into the second segment, we'll talk a little bit more, wrap up with what we saw from the offense. We'll play one clip of Clayton Toon where he described uh, how the Texas Tech defense played UH's offense and how they really didn't even let them uh, shoot anything vertical, have any type of vertical offense. Plus, we'll discuss like they on touch on the defense and uh, the performance they had under first-year defensive coordinator Doug Belk coming right up on Pod Slime and Jam with your home for UHS Live. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. Continuing on Pod Slamma Jamma. Right now, we're going to go to a clip from Clayton Toon, post-game interview, where he talked about the Texas Tech defense and what they were trying to prohibit the Cougars to do. Check it out. They don't want you to throw it over the top at all. They want to keep everything underneath and make you play methodical, um, which is hard for teams to do, because especially you know with our offense and the playmakers that we have, 
we want to go deep and, and connect on the long ball, but they really don't allow you to do that. Um, you know, props to them for, for doing that. So, thanks. I was quarterback Clayton Toon kind of describing uh, what he saw from Texas Tech's defense, really not, not allowing UH to have any type of vertical game. We mentioned that first interception. It was kind of a, a kind of an example of that where he would try to go deep, take a deep shot, and ended up throwing an interception. It was something that, that was pointed out by a lot of uh, UH fans on Twitter where they're saying, yeah, UH's offense looked, you know, a lot of east-to-west movement, not a lot of north-south type of movement where UH just really struggled, especially in the second half, just to move the ball. And is showing a lot of three and outs, a lot of punts, a lot of turnovers down. When, when you hear Clayton Toon talk about, you know, tech really limiting them. Another thing that Clayton Toon said about how the Red Raiders were playing defense was it seemed like they were enticing Houston to run the ball where it seemed like there were lanes for UH to be able to have successful runs and they would just collapse on the ball once they did hand it off and just didn't let them basically just suffocate it and didn't let them do anything. When you hear that clip down, what, what, what comes out through, what sticks out in your mind? Uh, that's what it looked like. It, it looked like Clayton Toon was suffocated in. Really, I just go back to the play calling and the coaching staff as far as that clip of what he said, because the defense, that's what they're aiming to do. They're aiming to mix up the coverages, make it look like they're doing one thing. But there are plays to be made. And we talked about it in the first segment, like I feel like they should have stayed with the run game more, not only with the running backs, but if you look at their first drive, Clayton Toon used his legs and really didn't use his legs much after that. So continuing to use him as a threat, especially when he's lost his confidence during the football we heard it in the post game. I mean, in our availability during the week where he said, whether it's a completion, getting tackled, some of those things help settle him down. And so whether it's using him as a runner, using the running backs more, just figuring out things to move the ball. I mean, you're not going to always drop back and be able to pass it. And sometimes it goes back to Clay Tuna as the quarterback. I mean, Make the routine throws, whether it's checking down to the running back, just taking what the defenses give you. If they're taking away the deep ball, make some of those intermediate passes. And sometimes you just have to take things into your own hands. Don't force it. Use your legs, extend the play, and just play, quote, unquote, backyard football and just make something happen. And he has the ability to do that. But it, it seems as if, if it's non-scripted, then it just doesn't work out. And so – uh, that that clip right there is pretty much sums up the night from from um, what I saw. Yeah, you mentioned it. Um, it's interesting when you when you think about it. As the game progresses, the UH offense just seems to get worse and worse. And you you mentioned it. Usually coming into the game, it's a lot more scripted. You mentioned him running at, after the first half. Clayton at one point was the leading rusher. He had 59 rushing yards and had scored a touchdown when UH's offense was clicking. And that was a complete difference. In the second half, he didn't rush as much. And he really, like you mentioned, that UH offense just struggled. You got to wonder if... You know, UH has to, like you mentioned, going back to Clayton Toon, you got to wonder if it, he just doesn't have it when it comes to, like you mentioned, whether it's having to, when the plays breaks breaks down, he has to come up, he has to make a play. Uh, going back to one of the, the pick six interception where, you know, he kind of stared down the the receiver he was looking at. He kind of looked like he was hesitating to throw the ball. Still threw it anyway. He was a little late, threw it into double coverage, and it got picked off by Texas Tech, and they returned it for the touchdown on that interception. And that was really the, the game changer right there. That pick six ended up tying the game 
And from that point, Texas Tech had all the momentum. That specific play, what did you see from that down? I saw a bad decision. All the momentum, you backed up in your in your territory, and then you, you forced a play in which um, the defender was really just reading his eyes. It was really like a routine interception. I know it's a good play on the defense, but at that point in time, you, you, you don't make those throws. You don't see high-level quarterbacks – in college or in the pros make those type of throws um, routinely, like at least the really good ones. And so, I mean, at that point, you throw it out of bounds, just run and get, do anything except throw a pick six. And, and that was more of the claim tune that we've seen uh, throughout his tenure here at Houston and just eliminating plays like that. Sometimes the court as a quarterback, it, it isn't always going to go as scripted. And so seeing that play, the momentum, was college football is really all about momentum. And Texas Tech held the momentum from then. They played with fire, um, like the hair was on fire after that. And they really, really just dominated from that point on. Yeah, I'll leave it on this note. I remember Dana Hogerson during training camp said his third year for Quentin Toon under his offense. He expects Toon to have major improvements, be a lot more consistent. And said if he didn't see that from him, it would be reflecting on his job as a head coach. But anyways, we'll transition over to the defense day on, like you mentioned, a lot of good things on that side of the ball. Uh, we're able to create a lot of havoc for Tyler Shook throughout the game, pressured him, like you mentioned, for, for about three and three quarters of the game, kept Houston in it, even though the offense was producing nothing. Um, they got uh, three sacks on Tyler Shook, one of which came from Derek Parrish uh, down from that side of the ball. I, I think – the weak point might have been the secondary. They were unable to really kind of stop Texas Tech's number one option in Eric. Um, they were calling him easy on air. Yeah. I know his last name they is kind of hard to pronounce, but yeah, I like just, I like that um, nickname from easy. They say the Tech called him easy. So we could just call him easy, man. And he was making it look easy out there. Yeah, yeah he's equal camera. <laughs> easy. For Texas Tech, um, really had a game, and a lot of it came against Marcus Jones. He ended up tallying 179 receiving yards. Um, Houston was able to keep him out of the end zone for much of the game, but uh, outside of that, the, the defensive line, for the most part, was able to create havoc, limit. There were a couple of chunk plays, especially at the beginning, that going back to Marcus Jones, he was able to make a good play where he forced the Texas Tech offensive player out of bounds and then on the following position tech you know fumbled the ball and that kept uh with all the momentum but you know one thing one criticism that i had just the way the game ended i'm not sure if it was just the team being demoralized or kind of thrown in the tower per se but texas tech was able to score two final go kind of icing on the cake touchdowns in the final two minutes that just ballooned up that score down, what are your takeaways from the defense after Saturday's game? Overall, I feel like the defense played well. I know the score says 38-21 in the final, but you can't hang this loss primarily on the defense, in my opinion. I feel like they showed tremendous strides, and their receiver that we talked about, easy, he looks like a next-level receiver. But Marcus Jones, he played really well as well. I know you gave him a good catch, a couple catches. Him and um, Demarion Williams, I feel like they both had a, a good game. Our safeties, Hassan Hippolyte, he 
he played all right. Him and Owens, I saw him missed a, a couple of tackles, but I was very, very, very impressed when I, uh, the defensive line play, starting with De'Anthony Jones, man. He came in, and I, I don't know if he got that first sack, but he was just wreaking havoc off that off the edge all night. Seemed like when he came in, he was had an immediate impact. Derek Parrish uh, just playing with ultimate effort. He he had a couple sacks. He played really well. Our entire defensive line really just played well, man. Also, um, Cedric Williams, he played really well. I was expecting more um, from Bankston. I thought he was going to have a bigger impact based on some of the things that he said, how he talked. I was expecting him to come out and really dominate. But um, I, it was crazy to see how much they kind of switched rotated the defensive line. I know they talked about being deep, but when Logan Hall was in there, he was making plays. I feel like if he would have got more snaps out there, he could have made even more plays. But overall, I feel like the D-line was really impressive. Donovan Mutant was really good. Deontay Anderson really didn't show much. I know they rotated the linebackers as lot as a lot as well, but I feel like they gave the offense chance after chance to add to the score. And so that's what you ask from your defense. From an offensive perspective, when you have a 14-point lead, then you have opportunity to add to that, and the defense is giving you those opportunities. The offense, you got to capitalize, whether it's field goals, whether it's anything. And then you mentioned some of those three and outs, punts, interceptions. They were on the field a lot towards that second half. And so, I mean, it's the first game of the season. You know, fatigue or something has to set in at some point. And so – from the defensive perspective, um, defensive coordinator Doug Belk, I feel like he did an outstanding, outstanding job. Um, Gleason Sprewell at safety didn't I didn't see him play any, and he was one of those safeties shown throughout his career that he can he's a ball hawk, and we need that on the back end. But overall, from the defense, they played really well. What was your assessment of the defense? Yeah, like you mentioned, I think they did a good job of being able to get into Tyler Shook, especially on key third downs. They were able to get a couple of those sacks on third downs that forced Texas Tech to punt and even just the pressure, even when they didn't get to them. There were a couple of times where the, the pocket was collapsing. They made Tyler Shook. Actually, they might have hit Tyler Shook a couple of times to force uh, the incompletions. I think um, one thing that, that kind of be, would be a concern was their run defense because they had a c- couple of chunk plays, especially Todd Brooks for Texas Tech, kind of ran all over the Tech defense, uh, the UH defense. Uh, multiple times he had two touchdowns ended up with 134 rushing yards Xavier White was able to add a little bit to it and I know he had the fumble but overall I I feel like Houston's defense they seem much better defending against the pass but they kind of stroll a bit against the rush and that's a bit concerning a little flip of the script from what it was a year ago where the strengths for this defense was being able to contain those high rushing offenses but you know, like I said, overall, they were able to keep Houston in the game. And I mean, during the, much of the second half, you know, they forced a punt, gave up a touchdown early in the third quarter, but then another punt, funny, forced a field goal. A lot of these plays, when you're looking at a lot of these drives, when you're looking at the plays, they're short drives and three play drive, six play drive, five play drive. A lot of it was just bad field position that the offense put them right. in in terms of the right. interceptions, stuff yep. like that. So, like I said, at the very end, the really the only long drive that Texas Tech had, um, the longest drive in the second half was an eight-play drive where they they just struck on that big chunk play by, you know, going back to easy. He had a very good – this was a very 
hard catch where him and Marcus Jones were kind of hand fighting. Much of it, and he ended up coming up with the 50-yard catch, and that set them up for the touchdown, which ended up being the, the dagger. That was a very impressive catch. And see, I don't know how he broke those tackles, and God, I was very impressed. Yeah, that was, that was an impressive catch right there. But, yeah, outside of that chunk play and a, a couple of, of – Dagger runs by Dodge Brooks. And the defense was able to hold its own. And you look at it, like we mentioned the schedule. I have to go now look ahead at our price. I feel like this is something they can build on. Uh, Dan, you have anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I feel like it's something they can build on. Thinking back to the first half when Marcus Jones made that hustle play, um, tracking yeah. down easy and stopping that touchdown, and then the very next play they caused the fumble and they recovered it. That type of effort is what I feel like you carry over. They're going to go back on film. They're going to watch that and be like, that's what we need. That's why you have a, a C on your chest, on um, Marcus Jones, and – that leadership right there, I think it's going to ball well from the defense. They're going to see how they play, look at some of the numbers like you just mentioned. They really feel confident about the way that they play. And I think that mo- that confidence is going to ball well for the defense going forward. I feel like the defense has definitely turned a corner from what I've seen. We got some dogs on that defensive line. Linebackers can move to shut down corners. So from the defense's per- perspective, I really like what I've seen. I feel like it's a lot to carry over as far as positivity going um, into the following weeks of the season. Coming right up on Pod Slime and Jamma, we'll look forward to UH's next opponent coming next Saturday against Rice. We have a clip from Clayton Toon talking about it. It's only first game of the season. They're, all their goals are still ahead of them. He's not going to let one bad performance bring them down. That's coming up next on Pod Slime and Jamma, your home for UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. Continuing on in our very last segment here on Pod Slam with Jamma, Dayan, Dunlap, and Andy Yanez here. And right now, we have another clip from Clayton Toon talking about not holding their heads and knowing that their season goals are still reachable and obtainable. So let's check out this clip, and we'll discuss it right after. No, not at all. Um, I know what we can do, and I know how we've progressed from last year now, from spring to fall camp to now. Um, and we just got to prove it. We just have to go out and play. Um, you know, no, no wind is taken out of my sails, and I think, uh, you know, as a team, we're going to rally together and, and pull together and make this better. I think you'll use Mark. That was Houston quarterback Clayton Toon talking about the UH offense will not have the wind taken out of their sails. Now, when I listen to that clip, it's a lot of the right things you're supposed to say, especially as the starting quarterback, um, but it, it comes to a point – Coming from this high that just to build up to the first game of the season is always going to be a, a energized game. And you're going to be a lot of anticipation. I have to turn around and play Bryce, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, that Houston should win and they should win handily. Um, just checking in on week one, Rice were lost to Arkansas by 38 to 17 score. Uh, Rice really struggled. But you hear that clip from Tui saying the right things, obviously, just the first game of the season. Uh, but do you do you feel like Clayton Tune might have a, a 
feel a little pressure if he has another performance like that where maybe Dana Hogerson is forced to have to make a quarterback change. I hope he does. Uh, not objectively speaking, I really hope he does. He's down. He sounded a, a little concerned, a little unsure in that clip right there. I mean, you know, you're saying the right things, but at what point does – we talk about coaches losing the locker room. At what point – does he lose the locker room in the sense of players believing in him? And you start hearing tremoring and, and things inside a locker room about, man, hey, we might need to make a change. And so you wonder at one, what point will that happen? If it'll happen, will he lose the coaching staff? Because at some point you got to be looking towards the future. And if he isn't getting it done, I know it's early in the season, but hey, – what I'm just almost a loss for words because I, 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 I honestly want to see what else we have at the quarterback position. I've seen so much of Clayton Toon, and it's been the same on Toon with him. And so I'm not giving up on him. I, I know that's one game, but it's been a lot of games similar to that. And I just feel like that's a game that we should have won and could have won if we'd have had better quarterback play, just calling the spade a spade. And so with that clip, I mean, it, it, it's still attainable. Looking at the schedule, uh, it's favorable. We talked about that numerous of times here on our podcast. And so you got Rice next week, who you should win, and that can be something that you gain your moment. I mean, your confidence back against a team like Rice. And, and it's in Houston. We know Rice was right up the street. And so it's something I feel like maybe he can kind of get his mojo back in a sense against Rice. Yeah, these next two games for Houston are honestly kind of, they're supposed to be shooing games where, you know, they should have be able to build up their confidence before they start conference play against Navy on the 25th of September. But yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, and the thing about it is you you look at what's behind Clayton Toon, obviously quarterback Ike Ogbanu get one, the number two spot behind, ahead of Sophia Massoud and in Maddox Cop, who's a true freshman, literally just joined the program in January. I mean, it'll be interesting. You know, Dan, would it take another performance like what he had against Texas Tech for them to make a change? Or, or do you see them maybe the leash could be shorter or longer? What would it take for Dana Harrison to make a move? I think it's shorter. I think in this upcoming week at practice, I think you start giving whoever the backup is, whether it's um, Ike Agbagdu or if it's um, Sofian Masu. I'm sorry if I'm butchering his last name. One of those other two guys, perhaps in practice, I, I think the, it has to start there. I think at some point, you because you have to give a message to your team as well that performances like that is unacceptable. And so if you allow it from one of the, the most important position on the field, the quarterback, and then it's just not going to bode well from throughout the team. So uh, I think the lease will get shorter. I don't think, especially with these next couple of games, if one or a couple of turnovers, I think it's a perfect opportune time with the teams that we have lined up to make the change, especially with these next couple of games. I think next game is the telling. If he has uh, any resemblance of a game similar to what he had, yes, well, against Texas Tech, and I, I think the lease will be short, but I also think it starts in practice this week because I'm expecting you, um, UH to have the confidence enough to feel like that they're, they're going to get up big and, and be allowed to play some of their backups. So uh, I think next game is going to going to be a lot, a lot, a lot to pay attention to as far as Clay Tune, his play, how the coaching staff. 
primarily head coach Dana Hogan is feeling about his play and about getting others in there. Because I honestly want to see what else we have at that quarterback position. I feel like I've saw so much of Clayton Tone, and I, I, I honestly don't know if he's the answer especially just looking forward as we're going into the Big 12 and just measuring how Texas Tech is one of those bottom-tier schools as far as football goes in the Big 12. And that performance, it's leaving a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, and you mentioned it just with what everything that's going on right now with all the noise. When you look at the University of Houston Athletics, I mean, look at volleyball right now. Look at soccer. Those teams are undefeated. Obviously, right now, the premier program at the University of Houston is the men's basketball program that's just coming off the Final Four. But in order to be truly, um, if you want to be one of those Power Five schools, the football program has to catch up. And it has fallen since, you know, the 2015-2016 era where they were really strong under uh, Tom Herman and even under Major Applewhite where they were able to, I mean, people hated Major Applewhite and they had more success under him. Uh, hate might be a strong word, but they did not like him as the head coach. Anyways, we turned the page over to Rice, and obviously they're coming off a, a tough loss against Arkansas. Um, but their quarterback struggled. They actually had Willie Green. They had they played two quarterbacks. Yeah, they, they played two Willie quarterbacks, Green. yep who had less than 50% completion percentage uh, through three interceptions as well. So he had a bit of a rough game. And they also played Luke McCaffrey, who didn't do fair. I guess he fared a little bit better. He had 50% completion percentage for 75 yards. But overall, Rice really struggles. Even in the rush, they were only able to total up 99 rushing yards total for the entire game. And their lead back was Kenan Griffin, who rushed 13 times, only able to put up 36 yards to show for it. That's to three yards per carry is not necessarily the best, especially in college football. Um, Dan, we kind of touched about what what we need to see from Clayton Toon as these next two games progress. But, you know, from the defensive side of the ball, we mentioned it, how they showed improvement in some areas. I feel like the rushing was a little bit of a weak spot against Texas Tech. I expect them to be a lot more dominant against Rice. What say you? Yeah, I'm expecting the defense to really um... – play really well, especially at defensive line. I, I've been very high on them after game one, talking with a lot of um, my friends and frat brothers in our group chats, and that D-line was very impressive. I, I'm expecting them to take another huge step against Rice. And I, Marcus Jones didn't really get a chance at a punt returner. He got a lot of opportunities offensively, and we didn't talk about that as well. Mm-hmm. What, what yeah. were your thoughts before um, I finish my point about the defense, about Marcus Jones on the offensive snaps? What did you see from that in stadium about his um, ability to play both ways? Yeah, I think it's it, it's good for Marcus Johnson just to show his versatility. I mean, honestly, he plays all three phases of the game in special teams, defense, and offense. But honestly, I think it's a bit of a negative for the UH offense just to show that really in that backfield, they're finding, they're trying to look for answers. You mentioned Mobile Cars, the lead back, who he spent six seasons here with UH, but – uh, I mean, honestly, I feel like behind him and even mobile car doesn't necessarily stand out, but it's certainly behind him. You were just kind of searching for answers and they were trying to find any type of spark they could. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. They're definitely trying to find any spark. And I, I really like mobile car. I think he has NFL potential with his body and his running style. I feel like we need to feed him more. If he can get 20 carries, I feel like he can easily break that 80 to 100-yard mark. He just needs carries to get him into a rhythm. But um, against Rice, I'm expecting I'm expecting defense a, a strong showing. 
And offensively, um, I feel like we have our go-to player within Tank Dell and Tristan Trahan. Christian Trahan. And, and I, I with Seth Green, the addition of him, the grad transfer from Minnesota, they did play a lot of two tight end sets, in which I expected because both of them are really good, good pass catchers. And so I'm, I, I like what I'm seeing from there. But Jeremy Singleton didn't really have um, a showing at all last night. We need that second receiver, someone to step up when the defense is starting to maybe double tank down and realize we're trying to get him the ball so much. So we need that second receiver, whether it continue to be um, the tight end, Trey Hand or Seth Green, the other tight end as well. But Jeremy Singleton, um, some of those other receivers are going to have to step up. I mean, that's why you recruit. They have the talent because if they did, they wouldn't be on UH roster. I don't know if it's the quarterback player trusting him not to get them players the ball, but we have um, athletes. It really goes boys down back to the quarterback position. So Clayton Toon, I feel like he's going to have to have a good showing against Rice. Yeah, Dan, ultimately it all comes down to that quarterback position. You know, you could have the best receivers in the world, best tight ends in the world, best all nine in the world. And if the quarterback just isn't firing on all cylinders, it will be for naught. But um, we're going to leave it right there for this episode of Pod Slime and Jamma. Uh, breaking down Houston and Texas Tech's game from Saturday. And if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And also be sure to follow Apollo H-O-U. That's Apollo H-O-U, A-P-O-L-L-O-H-O-U for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Dayon Dunlap, D-A-Y-O-N-D-U-N-L-A-P. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Always go Cougs. For sure. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Aon is underscore five. Be sure to follow our Podstime Jamma account on, on Twitter at Podstime Jamma, like you see in, in the description for this podcast. Um, also check out, like Dayon mentioned, Apollo Media. We have uh, two articles up the ups and downs of Houston, Texas Tech. Now, we, we kind of mentioned a lot of the downs, but there were a bit ups, especially in that first half. I really enjoyed the, the kind of the aggressiveness that Houston came out with early. And once again, it, it's kind of brutal when you think about how well they were hitting on all cylinders in that first quarter and then it completely fell apart in the second half. But there were a bit ups on the game. And of course, we have reaction from Clayton Toon, Dana Hogerson, that we touched on a little bit, but a bunch more in a different medium. That's Apollo HOU slash Cougars. And as always, thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back for our next episode of Pod Slime and Jamma covering your University of Houston Cougars.